This is the High Hopes Podcast. High Hopes. It's a bunch of baseball nerds talking about the Philadelphia Phillies on Radio.com and Sports Radio 94 WIP. Yo, it is another edition of the High Hopes Podcast. Jack, you remember when the O used to be a fun thing to start the podcast with? Remember when we had hopes? Yes, we have hopes. They're just very, very low right now. Not the, the name Hopes of podcast. the podcast. But we do have high hopes about one thing, Jack, and then we'll talk yeah. about everything else that sucks. But August 17th is this Saturday, Jack, and it's high hopes night at the ballpark. And even though this team is infuriating and we hate them right now, we're going to have a blast down there. Last chance to get your tickets. My pin tweet, Jack's pin tweet. Uh, reduced tickets. We are going to have a tailgate at a time. We're going to meet in Jet Row lot. Jack and I'll get there at like 4.30 or something. Come at 5 or whenever you want. We're going to be hanging in Jet Row. We're going to be drinking beers. We're going to have a blast. We're going to meet up before the game. Um, just just coming out with us. Even though the team stinks, we'll have fun, Jack. Yeah. Well, we'll we, may not, <laughs> we may not be watching the best baseball team um, and maybe the fourth best team in the NL East, but... We uh, we're gonna be having fun together, and we can we can express our our frustration. And here's the thing: is that I feel like everyone in High Hopes Nation, everyone listens to this podcast, everyone that is planning on coming to High Hopes Night, like I feel like we're all in this collective space where we love this team. Like we all love the Phillies, but right now we're like disappointed parents. Like we're just we're just constantly looking down on them. Like not mad at you, just very disappointed. Although I will say. Definitely mad at Andy McPhail. <laughs> I'm more, I'm more or less disappointed at everyone else. But Andy McPhail is, is like, he's like the uncle that no one likes to hang out with at dinner. Like no one really wants to talk to Andy McPhail, but he's like there and he's like the awkward one that you know doesn't really get along with everyone else in the family. That's Andy McPhail. Everyone else, we love them. We're just very disappointed. <laughs> That's a good analogy. I don't want to hang out with Uncle Andy. Don't make me do it. Oh, you know he li- lives like the most boring life ever. Like goes oh. to vineyards. Doesn't, doesn't he look like a guy that just like goes to wine vineyards and just stays there for <laughs> hours? <laughs> I've never thought of a guy being a vineyard guy, but yeah, I can see it. Come on, nigga. You know Andy's a vineyard guy. Andy's vi- Uncle Andy loves the vineyards. Yeah, he's pretentious. <laughs> he's the worst. <laughs> yeah. Well, those are true. Um, I'm with you, man. So look, while. Uh, well, we're all disappointed, as Jack put it. We'll come and we'll say hi to our family, our children that have disappointed us so. And we can tell them uh, mostly, how much they've disappointed us in person. How about that? Mostly Nick. Um, mostly, yeah, many. Mostly Bryce, Nick. I don't know. Many. <laughs> Reese, I mean, oh. just so, so much so much disappointment all in, right. in one let, baseball let, team. Let, so, so coming out, I hope, nights, August 17th, we really will have a blast, I promise. Now let's get to it, Jack. Wait, hold on. I was thinking about today. I was thinking about today. Listen, I'll bring my glove. I'll bring an extra glove. Oh, uh, will we'll you now? We can mess around and have a catch. <laughs> Not I like play that catch. idea. Not play catch. Have a catch. Have a catch. That was just ridiculous that, that was even a thing. Although um, I can't, I can't like, you know, I, I, I physically can't feel my arm right now. Oh, or, look at you. Jack, playoff Fritz. Listen, I, I know a lot of people, you know, that talk about the greatest postseason pitchers of our generations. I would say it would be one shilling, two Bumgarner, three Fritz. It's like <laughs> oh, really people that live up to the expectation when the lights are shining brightness are those three. Um, I had I did, was not pitching that well this year. Wow! Once, and then once, and once it was playoff time, it was like oh, I have to I have to put my team wow. on the back. Wow! Look at this. So so in a in a must win situation. I'd rather hand the ball to Jack Fritz than Josh Beckett. Okay. Some would say okay. that. You know who okay. you'd not give? You would definitely. Okay. Wouldn't, sure. You wouldn't, okay. <laughs> you, okay. You, would, you wouldn't give the ball to uh, Cliff Lee because he'd probably blow up one nothing lead if you had oh, one. Oh, 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 buddy. Hey, now. <laughs> Why don't we just dive right in right there? Um, man. All right. So coming out, I hope tonight. That's the fun part. Now yeah. the not fun part. What the, what the hell, Jack? <laughs> what the hell? just happened in san francisco five of seven on the west coast trip we came in and talked after the arizona series and we were incredibly disappointed and it was a very cathartic angry podcast and then they lost three of four man they lost three of four to the giants they didn't even show up the first game one hit by mad bum they didn't show up against samarja in game three 
the offense has just been a disaster. Bryce Harper, yay! First multi-homer game was a Philly way to go, Bryce. In case you can't tell, I'm mocking him, Jack. I am mocking. That's where we're at on August 12th. I'm mocking Bryce Harper. That's how I feel right now. Oh, that's just that's just mean. I mean, why? Mock- why is it mean? Bryce Play Harper. better, Bryce. Play better. He's been playing fine. Oh God. Oh He's man. He's been playing fine. Stop He's defending stop Bryce Harper. Stop I will, I will not. I will not <laughs> stop picking up Bryce. Um. Yeah. I mean, here's the crazy thing. So they had one hit, three hit, and then the game last night happens, which was just an, a meltdown, right? Um. The one hit game, no one was watching because the Eagles. But I tuned in for a little bit. And it was just like, oh, you're just not going to play tonight. Like that's 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 the route we're going with. Um, and then, it ta- Jack, it takes a lot for a baseball game to be worse than preseason football. They did it. They made uh, it happen. I don't know, man. <laughs> they made it happen. They made it happen. It takes um, everything to make that happen. Uh, but Saturday, like, <sighs> you just faced Samarja eleven days ago, and there was no change. There was no difference in offensive game plans. They knew what Jeff, Mar- Jeff Marge was going to do. It was going to be fastballs and cutters. That's all he's going to do all day long, coming out of the same arm slot. One moves more than the other. It's a good game plan. It's a good, solid game plan. But, like, if you listen to the pregame show and the manager show and you listen to, like, the quotes after the game, I mean, you think they're talking about, like, a Cy Young winner. Like, they, they talk about Jeff Samarja like he is he is an absolute superstar that cannot be figured out, even though he's been terrible for, like, six years in a row. But 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 Jeff Samarja, like, oh, man, we just couldn't figure him out after 11 days ago. And we're just going to try the same exact thing that we did 11 days ago. Like, that's 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 the most damning thing about about John Maley so far. It's like you just you just face the guy and you decided that, that, hey, the first time didn't work. Let's do it again. Like, it, it, it makes no sense. It makes absolutely no sense. Um, it's it, they're, they're a team that doesn't make any adjustments. They are a flat team. They're a team that doesn't play inspired. And. Um, when you when you punt at the deadline and don't give them a chance, like it, this is kind of what happens. I mean, this is what we're looking at. We're looking at a team that knows their front office doesn't believe in them, didn't give them enough horses to compete with, and they essentially, in in year one of the window, quote unquote, being open, just said no. We're not gonna we're not gonna do anything this year. Uh, just a total total bust, total waste of a year, and um, I can't believe that. It's I, I honestly can't believe it's gotten to this point where it's where it's this bad. Where it feels like it's happening again. Where it feels like the exact same thing that happened last year, except with a more talented team, is happening again, Jack. I mean, in all the variations of how I thought this season could play out, none of them had another collapse at the end of the season. And granted, they have forty four games to change that, but we said this <laughs> on the last pod and it it feels the same, doesn't it? It feels like it's happening. It feels like we're at the beginning of the collapse, and they're not going to get better. They don't show up. They don't show up for games, man. How many times can they come out and just lay an egg? Again, like this is a series where they had just lost two of three of the White Sox, who stink out loud, lost two of three in Arizona, and they go into San Francisco, and two of the four games, they don't even show up. They don't even come to play. I was like man. I just like to use the term "stink out loud." I mean, you really, <laughs> you, you really are becoming a dad, you know, right? Uh, what can I say, man? What can I say? They stunk out loud. Speaking of stinking out loud, did you see this Corey Seidman tweet from today? How about this? The Phillies ranked since the All Star break: twenty sixth in runs scored, twenty seventh in batting average, twenty sixth in slugging percentage, twenty fifth in OPS. 26th in extra base hits. They have been one of the worst teams in baseball offensively since the All-Star break, Jack. One of the worst teams in baseball. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that... I'm pretty sure that... Uh, Corey said it today on, on his podcast that li- that they've been playing... They've been playing for, I don't know, two months or whatever, like a 70-win baseball team. Like, their, their run differentials, everything is that of a 70-win baseball team. So you know how, like... When Joel Embiid plays and is on the court for the Sixers, they play like a, a 60 like finals contending team. And when he doesn't play, they're basically a lottery team. The Phillies just have been playing like one of the worst teams in baseball for over two months. And I think the thing that is so frustrating like, is just that there's just nothing being done about it. Like, there's, there's just nothing being done about it. It's like they're just rolling the same thing out there and hoping that it just changes. And they're betting on 
they're betting on these guys just like figuring it out. Like, what if they don't figure it out? Like, what if they just have a bad year? And and I I just can't believe that they're just they're just letting it happen again. Like, it's, the only difference between this year's team and last year's team is that the collapse is happening in August versus September. So, like, what is September going to be like? What is September going to be like in that ballpark? Because no one's going to go. Like, that's 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 the thing that happens when you don't go for it a little bit. The deadline is that teams just lose a ton of interest or and fans just lose a ton of interest. Like who's going to go to the ballpark in, in September? Like there's no point in going anymore because there's nothing, there's nothing to fight for. There's nothing to cheer for. And when you, you're, you're going to go in this off season and unless you come out with like a Garrett Cole or an Anthony Renzon or something like the fan expectations aren't going to be that high heading into the, heading into next season. Like they're effectively, they've effectively killed fan excitement until hopefully next year they go on a run. Like, you know what I mean? Uh, uh, yeah, I know what you mean. That's incredible. I mean, it's incredibly disappointing. I mean, it's so, like, when we think about where this team was at when they signed Bryce Harper the first week of the season, we talk so much about the excitement and how this is a Phillies town. Like, when this team is good, people are all in. People are dying for this team to be good. and Literally dying. Dying and and I mean seriously though and then for it to just be this and the no effort and like you said I do think obviously I think not investing in the team at the deadline was a message to both the fan base and the players that the front office didn't believe in this team and doesn't believe in them enough to really go for anything this season but that also doesn't excuse the players themselves I mean no uh, you know, it, it, you can't just say, oh, the front office didn't add guys so they, they're not competing. I mean, that's BS, too. I mean, they, they still have to play better. They still have to compete. They still have to have some sort of internal fire. And, again, I, I think that it comes back on Kapler, too. Like, you know, again, the players have to play better. But, ultimately, this team doesn't show up way too often. And as we've talked about, there's a manager who is embroiled in this city as the the number one figure of derision and – you know, the person who is on that pulpit just getting destroyed day after day after day after day. And these guys don't do anything for him. Like, they don't show up for him. They don't say, oh, our guy, this guy we care about, this guy we play for, this guy we fight for, he's in it right now. Let's get his back. I haven't seen that once. I haven't seen this team stick up for this guy once, either in their play or off the field. And, and I think that matters too. I just think, and to your point about the offseason, I mean... It's really it's depressing, Jack. Like it's depressing to think yeah, about because it's dead on. I mean, you look at like we talk about all the time. You look at the Braves. Like the Braves are just young and getting better. They're gonna be better. They're they're on the upward trend right now, and they're already way better than this Phillies team. The Dodgers aren't getting any worse. I, it's just I, I'm with you, man. I I think that that and and it's incredibly frustrating because in the last year we've felt so much positivity and like things are changing. This is the turnaround. The Phillies are going to be a big boy again. We haven't seen any of it. And look, I'm with you. Garrett Cole, Anthony Rendon, that would be awesome. I think those are moves that, that need to be made or one of those moves needs to be made. If, if there's going to be any sort of real excitement or if there's some sort of, you know, unexpected trade or whatever, but I'm with you. It's a, it's a bleak, a bleak existence right now as a Phillies fan. It's it's not as exciting as we thought it was going to be. Two championships since 1883. Like, <laughs> there's a re- there's a reason. I mean, there's a reason why they're they're in that position. Two championships since 1883. And I was thinking about this um, over the weekend when I'm, I was again watching an uns- like just think about the amount of time that we spend watching this team. Ah, like I know. It, 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 to watch this team every night, and I think the most frustrating thing about where we're at with this Phillies team is that, sure, we watch every night, we watch every night, and then we're and then we're just BSed in the in in the post game. And like I know what Gabe Kapler says doesn't matter. Like it, ultimately, none of it matters. Like if the players, whatever he's doing behind closed doors, is all that matters. But like, it's just like the blind, the blindness of what I feel like he's watching. Like, it doesn't make any sense to me. You, you can't say that your team goes down scratching and clawing and, and, like, you just battling it out. And then they never do it. Like, they never, ever do it. And that's how I felt watching the team this week. It's like, it's like I, I'm not stupid. Like, I watch this team every night. I, I've seen the problem since, like, May, I feel like. And nothing's been fixed. There's, there's no fight. There's no energy. 
I mean, Friday night happens, and it was awesome, and and the, the Bryce stuff, and I thought, like that's what I'm saying. There's been there's been moments this year when when I thought this team might go on a run, and they might step up to the plate, and they might take advantage of like a, an, an inspiring win. Like Friday night was an awesome awesome win, and they can just never get it going. They can never capitalize on it. Like. It's it's insane, and they're gonna keep doing this thing where it's like, oh well, we got time. Well, there, there, there's 40, 45 games left. Like forty four, forty four games left. Like you're gonna like eventually you're gonna run out of time, like they did last year. So to just be doing the same thing, it's it's just it feels like we're just watching a replay of the twenty eighteen season. And ultimately, this is what I'm trying to get at: is that the decision to choose Ruben Amaro Jr. over Mike Arbuckle is ultimately why we're in this situation. I was looking at Mike Arbuckle and what he did from 1992 to 2001. And we're talking about, like, Roland, Utley, Rollins, Howard, Hamels. Like, the core of that Phillies team was all built by Mike Arbuckle. I know people give Ed Wade a lot of credit, but it was built by Mike Arbuckle. It was the only time in their franchise's lifespan that they've had consistently good drafting. And then they let Mike Arbuckle go. In for Ruben Amaro, and Ruben Amaro trades away all the prospects, gives away all the money, and ultimately led the Phillies to where they are now, where they are in the dumpster, and they had to build themselves out of it. And I just, I was, it's it's very frustrating knowing that it could have been a simple decision back in 2000s, what, 2008 at this point, 2009 at this point, that could have changed the, the, the whole trajectory of this franchise. I've been doing a lot of deep thinking about this Phillies team and this organization. Where to where the Mike Arbuckle thing is now keeping me up at night, James. <laughs> yeah, I was not expecting that, Jack. Yeah, I went down a Mike Arbuckle rabbit hole on Saturday, and it he helped like, the Royals win a World Series. Mike Arbuckle, of course he did. He left here and then and then took a team to back to back World Series, winning one of them. Yeah. And, like, he's he's unbelievable. And we said no, we're going to go with Ruben Amaro Jr. And it's those kind of decisions that have ultimately come back and haunted this team. I mean. To, to hire Andy McPhail, the guy who built the 91 Twins, and to hire Matt Klintak, who came from the Angels, and the Orioles, who are both not forward-thinking organizations at all, and asking them to build this thing from the ground up, I, it's, 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 it's hindering this team. Like Teams go through rebuilds, and they have blue-chip talent out of them. This team goes through a rebuild, and they're giving their number one pitching prospect away for a 28-year-old catcher who is now the best defensive player in the sport, which is great, uh, but they thought his offense was going to be better. They paid a right fielder $330 million. They have Reese Hoskins. They have decent players. There's no stars in the system. I think Alec Boehm could be a star. I think Spencer Howard could be a, a number two, number three kind of guy. But, like, when when teams go through rebuilds, it is supposed to be bearing way more fruit than what the Phillies have went through. And now it feels like they're going to have to buy their, their, their way to a, a championship. And that doesn't work. Ultimately, that doesn't sustain. That isn't sustainable. Yeah, no. I, I look. I've I've been coming to this realization a lot lately, and slowly. And you've been the recipient of my many. You know, I just watched Raphael Devers knock another ball into the left field corner. Why don't we have a Raphael Devers? I just watched Jordan Alvarez just hit another four hundred and forty foot home run. Why don't we have a Jordan Alvarez? I mean, it's if you watch a lot of baseball and you watch a lot of these teams, there's so much. Like Acuna, we talk about all the time Bellinger in yeah. Los Angeles I mean there's so all these all these good teams have young great players young great players players who are homegrown who are future stars of the league and the Phillies don't have any of those guys they don't have one they don't have a single one and we're talking about teams like again the Dodgers the Dodgers already have these guys in the majors and they've got like Gavin Lux just waiting to come up Dustin Mayhew's just come up I mean it's uh. like it's like a never-ending pool. I mean, the Astros, like we've talked about, Kyle Tucker would step into the Phillies team right now and be their cleanup hitter, you know, or their five-hitter or whatever, be one of the three or four best bats in the lineup today. And that guy can't even get to the Major League roster because they're too talented in the Major Leagues. I, I mean, it's – um, and those are the types of things. Like Houston, they had a rebuild, and they come out of it with George Springer and Jose Altuve and Alex Bregman and Jordan Alvarez and Kyle Tucker waiting in the wings and all these – freaking studs like that's what's supposed to happen when you rebuild like this when you're the worst team in baseball for three four five years you're supposed to come out of it with real assets that you build with moving forward including trading your major league talent for young guys 
That was another issue. They waited too long, the whole Amaro thing. I mean, what they could have gotten for Hamels, for Howard, for any of these guys if they had traded them earlier. I mean, Howard got hurt, and who knows. But any of these guys, if you had traded them earlier, you could have gotten something for them. And they didn't. They, they didn't. I mean, we talk about the Hamels trade all the time. You know, Jorge Alfaro being a part of that Romuto trade. That's it. That's it. It's the only asset they got from trading Cole Hamels. I mean, that's embarrassing. Yeah. That's embarrassing. Well- well, and I think th- I think that just modern baseball has changed so much. Like, all the best teams, not only do they have the best farm systems, but they also are the best at finding undervalued talent. Like, like the Yankees, Gio Urshela, just for cash considerations last year from the Blue Jays. Like, uh, Luke Voigt for Chase and Street. Um, uh, uh, Mike Talkman. Like, Mike Talkman for a double-A reliever. Like, the, like to go along with the core they already have built of Glaber, Judge, Severino, Sanchez, and they have plenty. Of, like Debbie Garcia is coming through the system. Uh, 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 Flora, what what the heck's the outfitter's name? Uh, Florial, Florial, you know Florial, Florial. Yeah, he's a, he's an outfitter for the Yankees. Probably, probably. No, I but don't know who you're talking about. You know what I'm talking about? Whatever. I'm just saying. I like, might know it if you had not butchered the name so bad. Yeah, if I didn't butcher the name, this would be going a lot better. But like, <laughs> <laughs> but like, they haven't, they haven't, they haven't shown the ability to find undervalued talent and also have a farm system that can that can just keep bringing in more and more talent. And I can't believe that like JD Davis was a JD Davis brother. Actually, JD, good. of course he's great. He's been a, he's batting like three oh seven. He's been it's, really good for the Mets. It's stuff like that. Like it's stuff like that. Go like why didn't you just take a shot on him? Like they, they, they continue to double down on players who aren't good enough. Like how did they not see that Michael Franco was not a good player? Like how did they not just take a shot on someone else? Like why are they so like Gio Urshela? Gio Urshela, perfect example. That guy was a farmhand practically for the Indians. He was a guy who they said, oh, he's an outstanding defensive third baseman, but he's probably never going to hit. And he's hitting. Well, that's, what good, that's what good player development does. Exactly. You know, there, there's just so much, there's so much wrong with this team. There's just, there's just so much wrong. And honestly, what makes me so nervous, not nervous, but like whatever, is annoyed, is that at the end of the season, they're probably going to fire Kapler. And... Regardless of what you think about Gabe Kapler, this whole thing is not Gabe Kapler's fault. Like, this team is not good. Like, he was asked to get major outs the other night from Ranger Suarez and into Hector Neris. Like, it, like these guys are taking down, uh, like, important spots in a ball game on a team that's supposed to be competing for a second wild card. Like, you can't blame the manager for that. But I feel like McPhail and Klentzak are going to, to, to fire Gabe Kapler at the end of the year, and they're going to say, oh, well, the bad man's gone. Well, that's n- that's not going to fix anything. It's not going to fix anything because ultimately the problems come from so much more than just Gabe Kapler on the and, and the and the on the field product. Like this is a organizational dysfunction, is what this is. It's organizational dysfunction. They have not shown the ability to to build a farm system to to, to continue to draft. They haven't drafted well since Mike Arbuckle, um, and and, and it's just. They're a, they are a dumb they are a dumb baseball team. Yeah, that's an indictment. I mean, that, that's that's what we fear, right? And um, I think the player development thing is really key. I, I think that's when you look at guys like Mike Talkman and Gio Urshela, and these guys were cast offs on other teams, and they go to the Yankees, and the Yankees figure them out. The Yankees get them to play great, and, and I do think that that is. I mean, that's an issue. That's an issue. We don't see that on this team at all. We, and, and we certainly don't see like a Max Muncie type guy where there's this no. hidden gem that they find and turn into an all-star type player. I mean, that just... The Phillies aren't allowed to do that. I don't it know doesn't... It just won't happen. It doesn't happen with this team. And I do think that <laughs> I agree... One. Look, I agree with the point that it that far too many people place far too much of the ga- blabe on game Kapler. But I do think... The blabe... The blame, the blame on Gabe, the blame on Gabe Gap. Wow. But I, he does out, deserve dude. the blame. All right, the blame. He deserves blame. Damn it, blame Kapler. That's what I'm gonna call him. But wow. he does just he deserves some blame too. Uh, I, again, this team has not shown up for him far too many times. There have been too many times. Where, and again, even if it's not his fault, ultimately it's gonna fall back on him. It has to fall back on him at some point. Someone has to to take the hit for that. But 
I do agree with your your macro point that blaming Gabe Kapler and firing Gabe Kapler does not solve this problem. It doesn't even come close to solving no. the problem. It's a much deeper, more endemic problem. It's a much bigger issue organizationally. And we hope, and that's why we talk about it a lot, we hope that stuff like Jason Ochart, like bringing in the driveline guys, that kind of stuff can start to turn things from an organizational perspective, from a philosophy perspective, from an approach perspective, all that. And that takes time. That's not going to happen immediately. He's only been here this season. But, but, um, I, I think that on a, on a bigger issue, I, I think all the evidence we have to date says that Matt Klintag and Annie McPhail are not the guys to, st- to steer the ship. You know, that that's what this evidence is telling us. And Klintag has had some good moments. He's made some good trades, but... I think the biggest issue, like you said, is the the consistent failures in player development, the consistent failures in drafting, and then ultimately the consistent what seems like almost just um, laissez-faire attitude to it all. Like you just said, I mean, at what point is anyone from McPhail down to the coaching staff going to step up and say, this isn't good enough? You know, this isn't okay. We have to fix this because it doesn't seem like that's happening. No, no, it, it, that it's like, nothing's happening. <laughs> like it, it's like it. It's almost it, it. almost feels like everything they do is in spite of their fans. Like it's almost like they want to. They want to prove or something that they are so much smarter than the the average baseball fan. Like every time that, that Clintac talks, it's almost like. Mm, I'm way smarter than you, and I'm not going to listen to your. It's exactly it's exactly what it's like, and it's almost like they're just they're just not doing anything because we're demanding them do something, like it, like we're we're saying fire Maley or fire Chris Young or even fire Gabe, and they're like, nope, we're going to prove that we're right even though we're probably wrong, um, and and like, I I just I don't get. I don't get why John Maley still has a job. Like, it's there's unbelievable. No, there's no reason for him to still have a job. Like, if you look at watching Reese Hoskins now, like in in his career, he now has the his lowest opposite field percentage, um, and it, he's he's pulling the ball fifty percent of the time. Wow! Like, w- w- that's not it's not Reese Hoskins. Like Reese Hoskins when he came up was a guy who would spray the ball everywhere and like with loud contact. And they've basically just forced him to cut off half the plate. Like they're just saying anything away, just spit on. Like they'll throw you in. And the pitchers are the pitchers are saying, no, we're just gonna pitch you outside and make you beat us. And and he hasn't been able to beat him. In his last thirty four games, Reese Hoskins is batting like two oh five with like a seven hundred OPS. Like Reese Hoskins is going through a huge swoon again when this team needs him. Like this team is needed Reese Hoskins. It's a great point. It's a great point. I mean, look at look at September last year. I mean, yeah, last, last year. year. He went into the absolute tank last year. This year, the same exact thing is happening. Like, the last, like again, the base is loaded last night. He's and been so, awful. Dude, awful. Horrible. He's batting under 200 since the All-Star break. He's bat- Now he's under 250 for the season. Yeah, and it, for the first time in what seems like forever, the sl- his slugging percentage is below 500 now. He's been over 500 all season long. The, the on-base percentage, which has hovered or been above 400 all season long, down to like 385. I, I mean, the numbers are starting to reflect it. He's He has been god-awful. He looks lost at the plate. He does look lost at the plate, but he's also cut off half the plate because of the strategy that John Maley has instituted. Like he, He's cut off half the plate, and pitchers are just saying, okay, well, if you're going to do that, we're going to pitch you outside. Major league pitchers and major league organizations are too smart to to not figure out what you're doing, and I just I just can't believe that this is what they're going to go with. Reese Hoskins, Reese Hoskins, Reese Hoskins is a legit good enough hitter to be batting 280 to 300. Like he could be that good, and I think it, I think they're doing him a disservice by turning him into a pull hitting power hitter, which is just that he he should be a he should be a 25 he should be a 25 to 30 home run guy that bats 280 with the 400 OBP. That's what he should be, and I just feel like they're they're cutting that off, um, and it's it's just another frustration with with John Maley for me. Yeah, I'm 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 very with you, and I can't look again. Like, look at the Mets, all right? The Mets, the New York Mets, who are a, a joke, 
right? I mean, they were a joke. We all talked about Mickey Calloway getting fired when they left Philadelphia after that four-game series. Like, that was what we thought was going to happen. They've won 15 of 17, and they fired their pitching coach earlier in the season. Now they got some 95-year-old guy out there doing the job, but it didn't hurt them, did it? It's helped them. Whatever they're doing is working right now. They're ahead. The Phillies are in fourth place, Jack. The Phillies are in fourth place. They're in fourth place. The Miami Marlins are the only team in the NL East with a better record or worse record than the Phillies. What is that? That is, uh, I would say, not great. Yeah, it's bad, Jack. So I, I, I'm very with you. I think. Look, the the conclusion I've come to with Maley and the coaches in general is that. They're not going to do something in season. That's the feeling we get, right, at this point. I mean, there have been so many moments where you would think John Maley would get fired by now. It also Like today. Uh, like today. I thought <laughs> yeah, someone was so, getting fired today. Well, especially when someone Salisbury, get fired today? Well, Salisbury said something was going to happen. Salisbury, who is as connected and alpha, as we know on this show, as it gets, and Salisbury said something's going to happen today. Or he said yesterday. It was going to be happening yesterday. And nothing happened. Nothing happened. Nah. Why, why, did, why, did he, why do you need to do that? Everything's fine. <laughs> oh, man. Everything's fine. We, by the way, we don't, by the we way, don't, Jack. By the way, um, uh, Glaber Torres just hit another home run against the Orioles, which yeah. is his, which is his 13th of the season. Wow. It's <laughs> great. He's got. Yo. <laughs> oh gosh. By the way, um, yeah. Reese Hoskins, basically just Pat Burrell. Oh, man. He's better than Pat Burrell. Are we sure? I am sure. The Phillies are ruining Reese Hoskins. It is unbelievable, though. It really, like, all right, so at what point, at what point when every player who comes here gets worse, does something change? Right? Uh, I mean, what, what point? Everyone gets worse. Bryce Harper's got 21 home runs. 22. 22. 22 home runs. Don't, I mean, don't. come on, man. Don't um, shortchange him. Don't shortchange him. He's he's fine. <laughs> I don't know, man. I it, it it's it sure is. I just think, yeah. I mean, here's the thing. No one's gotten better. I mean, the only player that's gotten better is Scott Kingery, and he stopped listening to what they want him to do for a majority of the season. So that's pretty damning. So there, there's, th- I think there's two things here. Is that one? I think the major league development is completely lacking, and it's pretty horrible, and and, and no one's getting better. Which, um, again, I don't. I don't think that's the manager. I've seen a lot of people being like, well, who's gotten better under Gabe Kapler? And my only thing to that is, well, like, it's not, he's a, he's a manager. He's not a coach. Like, he's not there breaking down players' swings. Like, literally, Gabe Kapler's job is to develop a lineup, develop a pitching strategy, uh, in, in-game in moves, and, and bullpen. Like, that's, that's the, the crux of, of Gabe Kapler's thing, and also hiring good coaching staff. What I think has absolutely killed Gabe Kapler is that he's not hired a good coaching staff. This coaching staff has not lived up to to what they need them to be. This is was supposed to be a coaching staff that was going to take over a young team and then get them to the next level. The problem is with the coaching staff that he's brought in is that everyone's pretty much been hindered in their development, which is which is not great at all. Two, I think that eventually this team needs Alec Bone to be their four hitter. Like, I think it, I think if a lineup with whoever one two Bryce three. Four Bohm, five Hoskins, six Real Muto. Like, Real Muto has been relied upon to be the five hitter on this team for most of this season. And he is just, he's not a five hole hitter. And Hoskins, while a good hitter and a player that should probably be better than he is, he's also not a prototypical, you know, cleanup hitter. He's he, like Pat Burrell was the five hitter on, on a lot of those Phillies teams, or even the six hitter. Like they need to find, they need Alec Bohm to be that guy that can be their four hole hitter and let everyone just push down in the lineup to make it that much better. Like there's, there's, there's a path to a good lineup here, but it starts with they need Alec Bohm to come in and be the legitimate number four. Um, but it's just the the coaching staff has just has just killed the, the this this Phillies team. <laughs> Man. They have. They have. I'm with you. Well, then how don't you blame Kapler? Why are you so far on the other side? Doesn't isn't Kapler responsible for his coaches? Yes, who I think he, he is. So I think ultimately that's come back on Gabe, right? Right. But what I'm saying is that people are like blaming him. Like people are saying, who? Why hasn't anyone gotten better under Kapler? It's not like it's not like Gabe's job. Like it's not. 
it, it, it's not Gabe's job to be breaking down players' swings and and that stuff. That's not what a, that's not a manager. That's not what a manager does. The manager's right. job is to is to bring in coaches that can do that, and also get the most out of his players and 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 in game stuff. I just think that too many people are putting a lot of blame on players not getting better under Kapler when that's not really not really his job ultimately. No, and I think that's fair, but I, I think ultimately, you know, it does come back on Kapler. And and look, I think a big part of it is the organizational philosophy that clearly isn't working and also seems to be implemented poorly as well. I mean, as you always talk about, it seems like they're always a step behind what everyone else is doing and, and what's working this year is something they're going to employ next year and so on and so forth. But Yeah, that's good. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Jack! What a what a what a what a fun team to talk about. I man. I really I really do think that it, it, when they when they eventually move on from Kepler, and I think it's going to happen this off season, or whatever. I I don't really believe the whole Nightingale story. Like that felt like a a Kepler put out thing so that he could say, hey, if you fire me, I'm going to the Giants or something like that. It it didn't feel like that was a whole organizational philosophy on Gabe. I do think that they should go for a. A, uh, a more experienced guy, like a guy who's who's been there, a guy that um, it's almost like a, a, a like a just a, a manager. You know what I mean? Like there's there's difference between the modern manager and like a manager, and there's still some managers out there. Um, and I just think that this is a team that is getting a little bit older, and they almost need that kind of veteran in the locker room. Like they need a Charlie. They need they need a guy who's been around the game and has been respected and has experience with that. And I think if they go from Kapler to another young guy that's like doesn't have any experience, I just don't think that's going to work. This team almost needs one of those older guys. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I really am with you. I, I think especially after Kapler, if if things continue down this this trend, and that's I agree. I think that I, I don't think Kapler keeps his job unless they make the playoffs, and I don't think they're making the playoffs. So. Um, if it continues on this trend and they finish five games out, four games out, whatever it is, six games out by the end of September, however this this kind of continues down its way, um, I think that after this Kapler thing, if if that happens and if they do move on from Kapler, I think just as a response to Kapler alone, you go with someone who's who's more of a kind of an anti-Kapler in that way, someone who's more of a veteran, someone who has you know managed other teams to success, you know. Um, but I think it's someone who's going to have to be friendly with analytics as a Joe Girardi type. And I don't know if he'd want the job or if they'd want him or whatever, but that type of guy, someone who can marry the veteran baseball thing. And also with the analytics is someone they're going to have to find. So I think it's going to be really interesting, but I I totally agree with you. They can't bring another Gabe Kapler type in here after Gabe. Um, It just won't work. And the reception for it will not be good. Uh, all right, Fritzy, anything else you, anything in the note bag or any other thoughts on the horrendous giant series? Um, I don't know. There's not really much in the notebook. There's nothing like, to talk about. I, I, mean, like, I just I'm so annoyed with this team right now. Like Pavetta didn't like Pavetta didn't look great this weekend or whatever, which of course I mentioned. Like talk about like the worst possible inning he could ever ask for. Like for the for Penvetta, um, uh, <laughs> last night with the allowing the first hit in, in Will Smith's seven year career. Um, <laughs> it, it was just it was just a, a, a horrible showing. Um, but also, like you pitched him, you pitched him what three innings on Thursday, and then bring him back on Sunday. This is a guy who's been prepared to be a starter most of his career, and to just do that, I thought was a little weird. So um, there was that, and then everyone's melt like a Rod. I've never heard a, a a broadcaster skewer a manager like like a Rod did. Like were you were you watching last night when a Rod did? Yeah, that? the cla- the uh, careless managing and all that. Yeah, and I. Guess I get it, but also like uh, Kevin PR has or Kevin Pilar or whatever has like a 650 OPS against righties, um, and it's another one of those instances where where a player can't execute and it looks terrible for Gabe. Like Nick, get the guy out who has struggled against righties this entire season, and then and none of this is a, is, a, is a problem. Like that's it feels like everything that Gabe has tried to do this year, like the exact opposite of ha- has happened, even when it. In theory, it makes sense. It's it's been a crazy season. Yeah, it really has. It really does seem like nothing has gone the way it's supposed to go in those types of things. Even, but even sound decisions are just going the exact opposite way. Like like pulling Pavetta in the in the White Sox series for bases loaded one out 
Like that works nine times out of ten. And oh, and, like we said, it was it would have been malpractice to not pull him in that right, moment. And, and it's just like again, that's another one of those things where it, it, everything that could have gone wrong has gone wrong for this team this season, and it continued this series. Like yeah, it's just been. I just want uh, this team has just been it's just it's just a slow death. It's been a, it's a slow death. It's been an awful season. Uh, it, look, it's we've talked we've talked about it a lot. It's almost I d- certainly don't remember a team that was as competitive for as long and again, still only two games out of the wild card if the season ended today, Jack. But I don't ever remember a team that was quote-unquote competitive theoretically for a playoff spot that was as universally disliked by its fan base as this Phillies team. I really don't ever remember one. I mean, they, again, they have been in a playoff spot in one form or another almost the whole season, Jack. Really, until the last week or so, they've been a playoff team all season long. And all season long, we've hated it. We've hated this team. We've hated everything about it. It is, um, it's a really interesting you know, kind of, we've talked about the dichotomy of it, but it's a really, it's a, it's a weird freaking season, man. Well, well it's, it's really been a, a weird year and a half. I mean, yeah, it really has. The, the game, it's going to, there'll be a 30 for 30 about the game thing someday. Why does Philly, why does Philly always have to try something new and always blows up in our face? Oh, I know, Chip, like, Hinky. I mean, we can't, it just every time. Yeah, it just, uh, like it's it's always to the full extreme. It's like we're gonna go from nothing zero analytics to a hundred percent analytics. Like, like going from going from the Doug Collins era to Hinky was like zero to a hundred. Going yep. from from Andy Amaro, to, yeah, to, to Chip zero to a hundred, and then That's going point. from from Pete McCannon and Ryan Sandberg to to Gabe, it's just. Whenever Philly tries something, it's it's so frustrating because when you look at sports around this around the country and you look at different cities, it's like, oh look, smart team doing smart things, and then we try to be smart in this city, and <laughs> it doesn't work. It always backfires. Yeah. Except except for well, and then the, the well the, the Eagles it, yeah flipped around after Chip, so you know I don't know. Does that mean once Gabe leaves will win? Maybe once Gabe leaves, we can <laughs> hire someone who we all thought is stupid. And ends up putting a championship like Charlie Manuel. Yeah, see, there you go. Look at that. See, we found Listen, a way to bring some positivity in here at the Doug, end. Doug Peterson's just Charlie Manuel. I like, like it. It's the same exact thing. Yeah. I mean, for, for all intents and purposes, yes. It really Player, was. Players love playing for him. Everyone thought he was dumb. Offensive genius. Yep. Look at that. All right, so just find that guy. Mm. Get on it. Get on, get on it, Matt. <laughs> yeah, find the dumb guy <laughs> that no one's going to believe in and uh, let him win a World Series. Oh, Jack, what a what a brutal time but talking again, about this but team. Again, but again, this, this organization's problem is not the manager. It is so much more than just the manager that it is Chaim Bloom. That's what it is. Chaim the, 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 Bloom is the answer to all of our problems. I uh, cosign a hundred million percent agree, but I will say, I think that to say you can't say Gabe is not the, like the Gabe is not the only problem. I don't think Gabe at this point, the way it looks is that Gabe is not the biggest problem, but you can't just absolve him of all blame. Gabe deserves some blame too. Have I absolved him of blame? No, but you know, you know, I feel like you're trying, I feel like you're trying to, to like Sunday. I'm not being, <laughs> like I'm not being sunned because I'm agreeing. I'm just saying that like he is. It's such not a, the main reason. The, I, I I I get what you're saying. The he is the lightning rod. Everyone in this city blames Gabe Kapler. There's a lot more to blame than Gabe Kapler. The organizational dysfunction is more, and, and not having a farm system and not finding underrated talent is worse than a manager who maybe affects one tenth of a game. Yes, it's a great point. The The real big issue with this team is the front office and not Gabe Kapler when we're looking towards the future. Thank you. That's all I'm saying. I agree with you, Jack. How about that? <laughs> there you is, go. Jill, is Jill still staring at you? Did she just stare at you the whole pod? Well, she saw that I was like raising my voice and she didn't really understand why. <laughs> yeah. I forced I forced my wife to leave. I told Emily she had to leave, but you let Jill sit there and watch you. Yeah, well, here's recorded. the thing. Here's the thing: is that we're not we're not Mr. Moneybags, James Seltzer. Oh yes, I have and, a second floor. 
<laughs> we don't have we don't have a second floor, so <laughs> it's just it's just us. Mr. Moneybags. Yeah, I know. Mr. Uh, Moneybags, Mr. Moneybags, James Salter. That's what they call me. All right, well, let's let Jill get her <laughs> Jack back. Any final yeah. thoughts, my friend? Well, I mean, Jill will be there on Saturday. Uh, as will Emily. As How will about Emily. this? It's a whole family affair. This is what the podcast is all about. It's all about family and a bad baseball team. <laughs> You're damn right, brother. You're damn right. <laughs> Um, how are we doing? How are we doing? Final thoughts? Yeah, we're doing final thoughts, buddy. Um, all right. My one, my first final thought is that the Mets are, I mean, I tweeted out over the weekend, but like, that's what a team looks like when the front office gives them something to believe in. And I just, I I can't get over the fact that (laughs) they couldn't give up Medina and another pitching prospect for, for Marcus Stroman. Like you did not have to give us Spencer Howard to go get to go get Marcus Stroman. Clearly, considering on what the Blue Jays got for Marcus Stroman. Like you could you could you could have given this team a jolt, and I just I just can't believe we're in the position where it's year one of of Real Muto Harper and these guys that are supposed to be the next core, and they just kind of punted. Like the, the like there's there's so much more, and I just feel like the Phillies have continued to not read. Um, and, and not see the, the human element of baseball. Um, I just, I, it's, it's been pretty frustrating. Um, and I, I just, I, I can't believe, I can't believe they, they, they did it. They, I can't believe they, they punted at the trade deadline. Like they legitimately said to this group of guys, we're going to give you Jason Vargas and Drew Smiley, Bonespur Arietta, who's probably done for the year. I mean, I, I just, I think he just doesn't want to pitch anymore. I think so too. Yeah. Also, it's absolutely hilarious how in the Diamondback series he says, "Oh, Gabe should have left me out there," and then he pitches bad against the Giants, and he's like, "I don't know if I'm going to pitch again this season." Mm-hmm. Well, listen, buddy, it's going to be one or the other. Either you're freaking fine and you can get out there and pitch, or you're hurt. Okay, I respect what you're trying to do, but just would you have a backbone? Like, don't don't say, "Oh, well, Gabe should have left me out there one week ago," and then. And then and then pitch badly and then blame the the bone spurs. The bone spurs are really just a uh, uh, an excuse. Yeah, I'm I'm with you, man. I'm it, with it, you. I, he he is the worst, man. I can't. I've had it. I've had so much enough of that guy. I just I've look. I tried to be the oh he's tough. He went out and he's grinding for us. I got nothing good to say about Jake Arrieta. Yeah, he's he's very frustrating. And my uh, my uh, other final thought is that Mike Trout will be making his return to Philadelphia uh, July 17th through the 19th of, of 2020. And I'm just going to start this now. I don't want to hear. I don't want to have any standing ovation. I don't want anything. I, I Maybe a golf clap. But that's about it. I don't want any celebration of Mike Trout coming to Philadelphia because he is a traitor and he is not really from here. And if, if he gets a standing ovation, like what happened the last time he came here, and the fawning over Mike Trout, it'll be the single most embarrassing Philly sports moment since the last two Philly seasons. Wow. Strong words from Jack Fritz. I don't, wanna, I don't want any Mike Trout love. He, he, I think that's fair. He spurned he, us. He decided to stay. I don't want him to get any Eagles balls. I don't want... Him to him to, to I don't even want the camera to be on him at the Eagles games anymore. He chose to stay in Los Angeles, and I don't I don't want to hear from him anymore. Fair, cosign. Yeah, cosign. I I think that is a strong take that I support. Uh, my final thought. Um, I'll just do it again. If you're 48 or whatever minutes into this podcast and still listening, it means you really love the Phillies. And you really dig, I hope so. Coming out with us, uh, August 17th at the ballpark. The f- game might not be great, but we're going to have a lot of fun. And we're going to hang in Jet Roll out before him. We're going to drink beers. We're going to get to all hang out. Jack's going to bring a glove so you can see him. The famed arm in action. Oh, we can play. Too. We can have a catch together. It's just, oh, it's, it's, buddy. Look at this. It's like Field of Dreams, but in real life. Sure. We'll, we'll go We'll go that route. I, I'm all, I may only be warming up to try to, to, to pull off with that. Uh, guided at the Colorado Rockies game. Yes, to, to, to get, get signed, signed by the <laughs> Oakland Athletics. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is good. So it's for selfish reasons, but. As always. We, we <laughs> <have to go. laughs> 
right, cut. Wait, hold on, hold on. I had, yes, I yes. I forgot. I forgot my other thousand final thoughts. Um, uh, one, Bryson Stott had two homers yesterday, and he very exciting. A, he went into a little bit of a swoon, but he figured it out. And Kendall Simmons, who I know you have, I, I these are my these are my favorite teams in in, in Philly's land right now, James. In order, <laughs> one, w- one, the Williamsport Crosscutters, <laughs> two, the Reading Fighting Phils, and uh-huh. and three, the Philadelphia Phillies. Um, Kendall Simmons last. <laughs> oh man, Kendall Simmons last twelve games, uh, three eighty five average, four forty seven OBP, thirteen hundred OPS. Um, he's a superstar. Moniac homer for the tenth time um, in Double A. I think it's impressive that. He's leading the Eastern League in triples. He is top, I think, top five in doubles. And now it feels like the power is starting to come around. It's all just beautiful in Mickey Moniak land. And Alec Bohm is now up to 12 home runs in double A alone, which he's only been out for like two months. So I think that's, I think that's super impressive. Um, also, Carlos Santana is on my screen right now. He has 25 homers and has an OBP over 400. And he's better at 283. <laughs> oh, God, great. <laughs> Which I didn't know was possible, given the guy that I watched last year. Oh, man. I thought you were going to give us a – I was like, oh, Jack, taking us out on a high note, and then you just shoved that in there at the the end. The high note is that there is a lot of young hitters in the system that are super interesting, and I think that – I think a lot of people are in two years are going to be like, wow, the Phillies have a surplus of hitting talent, and I am very excited for the – like, getting through – how awful this Philly season has been has been the play of Moniak, Bohm, uh, Stott, Johan Rojas, Kendall Simmons, Logan O'Hop. Like, they're the only saving grace for how horrible this Philly season has gone. There we go. Coming out on IOPS night, pay attention to the minor leagues because that's all we got. <laughs> Talk to you guys on Thursdays. No, no, pitching, talent, no pitching talent allowed, only, only hitters. Ah. Uh. All right, we'll talk to you later. He's Fritz, I'm Seltzer.